Welcome to our podcast. Not prod. I can't hear you. It's pod. I think I think I need to speak language with knowledge right now. Let's try that one again. Hello, SLPs. Welcome to True Confessions with Lisa and Sarah. Okay, can start confessing now. This is so cheesy. How's it going, Sarah? Hi, Lisa. Wonderful to see your face again today, looking rosy and ready for work. Oh, yes. As every day that I see you. Yes, I. it does not look like I have not taken a shower in a couple <laughs> of days. Have you I, not? I was actually just looking and thinking I could have used some dry shampoo today, but <laughs> I'm here. You're like, I'm only here virtually. I'm not here in person, so you're just going to have to roll with... However it looks. I know, but I'm so glad you're back. You surprised us yesterday by coming to the weekly meeting. And I thought you were driving home from Colorado yesterday, but you were here. IRL. We got IRL. Lots got lots of stuff done. No, Very we impressed. didn't. Very impressed with our work ethic yesterday. No, it ended up being a celebration. <laughs> Because we were reunited, we got very little. (laughs) Anyways, enough about us and our shenanigans. (laughs) We have a wonderful guest in the confessional today. So we would like to welcome Maria Papis. Thank you so much. I am very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. uh, Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, I can. My name is Maria Papis. I'm a speech language pathologist living in the Midwest, and this will be my fifth year in the field already. It goes by fast. Sure does. I have a passion for animal-assisted therapy, which I will be talking about today, and I'm just excited to share some of the things that I have learned in my experiences in the hopes to inspire others to pursue this. Well, it's funny. Um, Sarah and I went to an event that was sponsored. I can't remember the name of the charity, but it's a local charity here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And they are all about training dogs for animal assisted various you know, programs. And so I got really inspired and decided to adopt a dog shortly thereafter, because I was like, this will be so great. I want, you know, I'm not working directly in schools right now, but it would be so cool to visit special ed classrooms and bring this awesome trained dog and whatever. So I got her right before COVID hit and turns out she hates people. So <laughs> it didn't work out quite as planned. So may, I'm hoping your stories may be a little bit different than my experience. No, when at least we were talking about this before we started recording and Lisa's like, you know, I really thought Frank was going to be a therapy dog. And I go, no, you got a dog that needs therapy. <laughs> so you should have been clearer in your intentions. In yeah, I need therapy too. So, I mean, I guess she's my <laughs> therapy dog, but yeah, I should have been super, super clear. That is so funny. Well, and you know, I have heard that from others. I'm on some Facebook groups and, you know, some people really want to get into this. And so they they adopt a dog or rescue a dog. And then it turns out, like you said, like you're Frank, they're just not a people dog. You know, maybe they have a passion for fetch or something else, you know, but I really did luck out with Diggity and you and I have something in common where we got our dogs right before COVID. And so she was kind of my project during the pandemic. And I poured a lot of time into her and just kind of followed her lead with a lot of the training. Um, But, you know, she's a rescue. She's rescued from North Dakota and she was found without her mom or her dad, just her and her siblings, tiny puppies. And I always laugh because you know, as a result of that, we did not know how big she would get. 
she is 93 pounds. Wow. <laughs> so she's a really big girl, but she's such a gentle giant. She's got some Alaskan Malamute, some Labrador Retriever, Boxer, German Shepherd. So what I like to call her is that she's a limited edition. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And large. Do you have a yes. huge yard for her? You know, we, I don't, and we just go on a lot of walks. So it's yeah. good for me too. She loves her walks. I love my walks. So it's been a fun summer in that way to go on a lot of walks together. But, you know, really when I first met her, my friend was fostering her and I noticed she was very brave in my friend's basement with her Christmas decorations that were up. And so I thought, huh, this is a confident dog. This is a dog that might do well with animal assisted therapy. And so um, I ended up adopting her and the rest is history. Had you worked um, with animals in therapy before? How did that even get on your- That's what I was just going to ask. Yes. What made you think to do that? Well, that's a great question. And I was really lucky in that in grad school, in my master's program, we had a clinical supervisor who knew that I had a passion for animals. So one of my clinical placements was at an outpatient clinic where they did animal assisted therapy with dogs and aquatic therapy, which was really cool too. And so I learned a lot from her and I always thought this would be so fun to do someday, especially with working in the schools. It would just be so beneficial to the students and staff. So that's really what kind of spurred me to um, be open to the idea and to explore it. And, and um, that um, clinical supervisor became a friend of mine. And she is always just someone that I really look to when I have questions about training um, or anything with Diggity. She's been such a great inspiration for me. So you get Diggity, you, you feel like she's got the temperament to maybe do this. How does it start then? So what is your next step where you're like, oh, I think this is a good mix. It mixes my passion. And I think, you know, she could be the dog to do this. How did you get started? You know, really, we just kind of started right away from the day that I brought her home, a lot of desensitizing activities. So I do have an equine background. I um, had a horse in high school. So with horses, they can be very skittish. And so, you know, before you hop in the saddle, you want to really desensitize them and build that trust. So just, you know, from the start with Diggity, I was just doing a lot of handling, touching her ears, mouth, tail, paws. So she didn't have any kind of sensitive areas where she didn't like to be touched and then exposing her to a lot of new environments and experiences. So there are some of these dog friendly businesses where you can bring your dog when you're in training and just expose them to different noises, people, flooring, elevators. Interesting. So, yeah. So that is something that I um, really explored right away. And then just different things in the environment. She had a really big fear of crutches. So that's something that we had to work on because that can actually be on the therapy dog test. Oh. And so we did a lot of exposure to crutches and just really taking our time with that. And, you know, my biggest piece of advice to people with the training would be to focus on building the dog's confidence. So if they do have a fear, not pushing them toward it, but kind of guiding them and letting them take those baby steps and rewarding them massively when they are brave and when they do kind of explore these different things that they're afraid of. Well, that's and, people too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It is and well, just, and I, with Frank, what was my dog that I thought could maybe be um, a therapy dog? That is the huge thing that I felt like with COVID, there were no new environments or exposures with the exception of we had just moved into a new house and it was a new build. So there were like some 
things that had to get fixed. So really the only people she was exposed to were me, my two kids and um, contractors that would come in. And I think they came in with, you know, they were men and they had, you know, that busy kind of energy of I'm here to fix something. And I think that was part of what made her kind of not the greatest candidate for a therapy dog is she was like the only people she saw Mm -hmm. this setting. So how did you navigate that with COVID then with things being shut down and, and maybe great question. Yeah. So I um, was really lucky in the town I was living at the time, I found a um, training center. And so we did puppy socialization classes, um, you know, masked and everything. And some of the um, portions of the class were actually outdoors because of the pandemic, but um, so exposing her to other dogs and people too. And so even just family friends, we would do exercises outside with greeting and, you know, she wouldn't be able to interact with the individual until she calmly sat down. Cause you know, and especially cause she's so big, if she were to jump, she could really knock someone over. So we really had to work on the no jumping and calm greetings. And so just, yeah, just really leaning on my family, family, friends, and then this wonderful training center and the trainers there. So just to expose her to different people. Is this a different process than how you train a service animal? Or, you know, it is. And with the, the test is different. So, you know, with service animals, they can be medical alert dogs or helping people, you know, um, with vision needs or things like that mobility needs. And then with the therapy dogs, there are um, different organizations that you can certify them through and through that organization, you'll have a test that you need to pass. So those tests look very different, um, for service dogs versus therapy dogs. And then you also have emotional support dogs which, you know, to my understanding, there is not a test that the dogs need to pass or animal needs to pass in order to be a certified emotional support animal. Um, but that would be more of a need of the owner or the handler. So it, it is, I learned a lot about the differences between all of those things. Yeah. I, Cause when you were describing it, I, I had a, somebody in the neighborhood who was training a service dog and it was so rigid and like, mm-hmm. she couldn't like give it any, like, what I would consider the typical like interactions you have with the pet, you know, like, mm-hmm. your dog, you know, it was very like, again, just, it seems super rigid. Nobody else was allowed to like touch the dog. She did say like one hour a day, the dog was like off its job, you know, and mm-hmm. got get love and, and play. But for the most part, like it had a job to do. And I remember thinking, yeah, I can't do that because <laughs> I can't not love on this, you know, dog. And that's why our dogs are ridiculous. Both of ours are. They oh, yeah. They're spoiled. They are. They're, terrible. they're spoiled. Yeah. They're terrible. Yeah. Yes. I, I, that would be such a, you know, unique challenge training a service animal, but also with that, how rewarding too, you know, for the recipient, because that can be so life-changing for individuals as well. But yeah, that training, that would be, that would be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you described much more. Um, So, okay. So for size wise though, because the dog is so large, had you ever have any issue? Like do our any of the individuals you're working with, do they get scared? Are they you know, sometimes the students do if they don't have a lot of exposure to dogs or don't have a dog at home. But with Diggity, it's almost like from the start, she had this instinct. And my mom even just marvels at it too. When she comes upon a child that's smaller than her, she just lays down and she is down on the ground and she knows she has to be calm, you know, with 
infants to toddlers to kindergartners. It's just an immediate down and stay and she stays. And so she kind of lets them approach her too, because she is so low energy, such a gentle giant. So that's really nice where I really don't have to do much. She just kind of has this intuitive sense, which really is amazing. And I also read her, you know, quite well. Now we've been working together for, you know, several years now where if she's showing me with her body language that she's not quite ready for an interaction, then I will kind of advocate for her on her behalf until she's in that space where she's ready. And so that kind of comes with her and I are in this partnership. And in that partnership, not only do I have to trust her that she's going to behave appropriately, but also she has to trust me that I'm going to honor the cues and signals that she gives me with her body language and not put her in situations that she is not wanting or not ready for. So it's, it's really a lot of both of us reading each other and respecting each other. You're currently working in an elementary school, right? Yeah, that's correct. And do you bring her every single day? So, you know, it's so interesting because on these Facebook groups, I do see some people who bring their dogs every day and they have the energy and stamina for that. Um, but, you know, other times these dogs just really benefit from coming several times a day. And so, you know, or several times a week, excuse me. So Diggity comes on Mondays and on Thursdays. So she has a few days in between to kind of reset. And that is her ideal is coming um, twice a week so that she has that time, that downtime in between. And like, what is, what does her day look like? <laughs> so we arrive in the morning and when I go on bus duty, she is inside waiting for me. And then after that, we come in and we go pick up our first group of students. So she comes in the hallway with me and she's so excited trotting along. We pick up the kids, we go up to the speech room, we have a 20 minute session, and then we just go about our day, you know, servicing the students, whether it's fluency therapy, language, articulation. And so, um, yeah, she's just along for the ride with me. So is she an active participant? Do you do things focused around her or she's just there to be a part of the group? So she very much is an active participant and participates as much as the students are comfortable. So, you know, most of them really love her and they, they have no fear of dogs and they really want her to be right there with them as they're learning. In some ways that I do work with Diggity during these sessions, I have some picture cards that I've taken of her in different locations. And so we'll work on prepositions for some of my language students and also verb tense. So I have some pictures of her doing different actions. And she does have her buttons, which she presses with either her paw or her nose. So she can quote unquote, talk with the kids. And so that's such a great one for students who are kind of working on the cause and effect of AAC devices and um, stating their wants and needs. And so, um, you know, that's a fun way. And then also just really play-based with working on their speech sounds. I have a vet set in there. So Diggity has given birth <laughs> during our sessions to a lot of different puppy <laughs> stuffed animals. And she's gotten, you know, hundreds of shots that she's received from the students through this vet set. So she's very healthy. Um, but <laughs> you know, and then just in the articulation sense of the students reading to diggity and practicing, generalizing their targets at that level too. So it's been so fun to just, you know, find different ways to incorporate her. It sounds 
I mean, I want to come. <laughs> it is fun. We have a lot of fun. I feel so lucky. It's it's just every day that she's there. And the students will come up to me in the hallway and say, is it a diggity day today? Is diggity here? So they get really excited too. Even the ones that don't work with her and just see her around the building. So that's really fun. So I have to know too, there's got to be some liability as far as yeah, like, not just you as the owner of diggity, but I would think like even approaching your district on how to get this going, or even with parents of students, how did that all? Yeah, the buy-in and like, yeah. Yeah, what are the rules on it. Oh yeah. So with Alliance of Therapy Dogs, the therapy dog organization that we are certified through, there is an option to um, become an insured therapy dog team. If you are working with your dog, um, in a work environment. So, you know, I'm getting paid to do my job and Diggity and I are working together. So there's a special type of insurance that I needed to get. And then I always send a permission slip home with families that I'm working with, um, with their students so that they can either opt in or opt out. And I have a short little bio about Diggity and then a picture of her and then some frequently asked questions. And so the um, families can, and there's no pressure involved, you know, because I can just adjust my schedule in those days when Diggity's not there is when I would work with the students who have, whose families have opted out. And, um, you know, just any questions that they have, I answer. Allergies is a big concern, you know, for a lot of families, but, you know, with working with Diggity at school, I do very frequently um, bathe her and brush her. And I also, she has an electric toothbrush. So she's, she's very spoiled. And so um, she's always very clean and in good condition too, to do the work and be around kids. So what about your principal and or district though? Like, what did you do before you even Diggity was able to set foot in your speech room? Yeah, that's a great question too. So I, what I did, I was at a new building this year because I ended up moving to a different area. And so I just had a meeting with administrators before the school year started. And I just really came to them with a lot of the research evidence, you know, my anecdotal experience and also just the empirical evidence of therapy dog work, physiological and emotional benefits for people. So I, I show them a lot of those studies about how being around a therapy dog has been shown to lower blood pressure, release endorphins, oxytocin, um, you know, provide a relaxation response. And then, you know, just as far as emotional benefits and anxiety reduction, reducing loneliness, increasing motivation, encouraging communication. So, you know, these are just some of the things I come to the table with. And then we talk about concerns that they have and how we can, you know, work through those together. Maybe we could, if, if you have any resources like that, um, that you have found, maybe we can link those in the show notes too, because yeah, I think that's always really powerful, especially like when you're talking about administration, that's the kind of stuff they want to see. Um, yes. so that would I would awesome. love to, okay, I can definitely perfect. provide some of those. And, you know, a lot of them too take place in medical settings because therapy dogs can go into hospitals can go into nursing homes and, and work in all those different areas. So in the research evidence is really growing in this area, which is so exciting. So I, I can definitely share some of those. Have yeah, you been told no before? I'm just curious. I have not in a school district um, that I'm that I've been working in. So I've heard a lot of stories from others about how administrators or districts were not on board with animal assisted therapy. And, you know, that would be challenging if you have a dog that is trained and that has that passion for it. You know, but I think then in that case, what the handler would do is just use their dog in more of a volunteer capacity, you know, at a local library or nursing home, et cetera. 
Lisa and I had gone to a, a funeral last year, I think. Yeah, last year. And um, there was a child, you know, who's lost their parent. And oh. there was a service dog there. Or not a service dog. There was a therapy dog there. And I remember them asking, like, do you think that would be helpful, you know, like ahead of time? And it was, I think, it like, just, awesome. like said, just to have, you know, like that dog there. The child was walking the dog around. It was oh. sitting by her. And I think, like you said, I, I felt like it made her feel a little calmer. And, you know, I kept I, the dog even there. I remember yeah. calmer myself just being in the presence because his the dog's energy was very calm and it would just kind of come and stand by you and you could pet it and it would like kind of go on to the next person too. It was yeah. Awesome. It was oh, awesome. That is so sweet. They really yeah. can just provide such comfort. And, you know, I've seen such amazing moments with some of my autistic students with really bonding with Diggity in a way that, you know, that I haven't felt with them personally, but I see this amazing, you know, relationship being built and just all on nonverbal communication. And it just, you know, these connections are so beautiful to witness because that's where I'm so grateful to partner with Diggity because, you know, it's to, it really is special to witness and to be a part of. I bet. It's so cool. And that's the thing that's so great. About, I, I never understand people who don't love dogs because <laughs> there is just nothing but love from them. Like there's no expectation. So I can imagine for students, you know, who are being put into situations all day where they're having to like, you know, do things they probably yes. don't do or make connections that are very exhausting and complicated for them to do. Like there's nothing but love from that dog. There's no, exactly. Yeah. It's just so cool. Yes. And no words are needed. And it's just, it really is amazing. And, you know, I have a neat story because I was um, down in my hometown where I had worked for several years and I went to an adaptive um, t-ball game and um, to see one of my previous students, um, a couple of them were playing and one of them ran up to me at the end of the game. And the first thing she said to me was puppy. And she just associates me with Diggity and she was so excited. And I had not seen this child in over a year. And the second she saw me, she remembered and was so excited, you know, wanted to see pictures of Diggity. And it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, and obviously none of my dogs can be therapy dogs either. Like they just, <laughs> my, my dogs are kind of assholes, but uh, <laughs> they're just real spoiled. Um, but I did have a hedgehog and we have talked about this before that made an appearance into the speech room on a few different occasions. And it was awesome because it'd be like, I'd incorporate a story that had a hedgehog. And then all of a sudden this actual live hedgehog would come out and I would get students who I have not ever had engage and interact and verbalize or communicate at all who li literally just came out of their shell over this little tiny creature. It was like the best moment. I loved taking her places. She didn't want to be a therapy hedgehog either. She didn't want to be a therapy hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> but I just threw her in that mitten anyway. <laughs> Oh, no, it's funny. so awesome. She'd read the mitten and then Sarah can sew too. So she made like little sleeping bags that the hedgehog used every day, but she'd be reading the story, the mitten. And then when it came to the part about the hedgehog would bring out this real hedgehog. It was awesome. It is. There that, is. is that is wonderful. That is so fun. I, I have heard of people, you know, working with hedgehogs for therapy work and it's just, it is really, they're so cute. They're so, that's happy. amazing. Cause no, she's, I mean, like she's worse than my dog. She was like real feisty, but <laughs> just, I think that there is just something about like, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Period. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. It is. It really is. Yes. And, you know, I just get really excited when I think about the possibility of more people exploring this, because, you know, if you think about the world today, you know, in our post COVID world, so many people, you know, have struggled and are struggling with, you know, mental illness, anxiety, depression, you know, as a result of that isolation and therapy animals can just be something that is so motivating for people, for adults, for children. And so, you know, I was so grateful for the opportunity to come speak about this on here because I have just witnessed the positive impact and it just, it's so exciting. Yeah. When we had you, we, I think we had put out an all call like in the early summer, um, just to see, you know, if anybody was interested or, you know, what topics they wanted to be able to share. Um, and so when we saw yours, we were like, okay, this is, we've never had a conversation like this. I've never seen it done in speech therapy before. And so I thought this is definitely something I think a lot of people that aren't aware of it, you know, would be super interested in. Um, and so I was excited. I was excited for you to share too about like how you got there, how it works. Um, yeah. Well, and I keep thinking too, like I need a diggity day Instagram channel or TikTok or something. Yes. Isn't one, because I feel like this is something people would love to be a viewer on this journey along with you. Well, she does have an Instagram, so I can definitely share that. It is, it's diggity underscore do. So diggity do. And that is, um, she's got a big online presence. She loves posting. I, I write it, you know, that she's the one doing the posting and, and making the caption. So it's, it's really fun for me. And you can kind of follow along her adventures, you know, during the school year. And she's been having some fun summer adventures too. I feel like that's would be a great therapy activity too, though, is to have the kids engaged in writing posts for Diggity. Oh, yes. I love that. That's yeah. a really fun idea. Or like stories about her adventures. Yes. Yes. That is amazing. I'm going to stick that idea in my back pocket. Yeah. I love that. Thank That'd you. Be, because I was just going to ask you, what does Diggity do when she's not working? So when she's not working, she, her favorite pastime is looking out um, the window of our little sunroom and watching bunnies. And she will drool as she is watching these bunnies hop around. It's hilarious. But you know, she just loves to be around kids. Um, my cousins have children. She loves to be around them. Um, my niece, she adores, and she just loves time being a dog. And, you know, you spoke about that earlier with that service dog that it got that hour a day. I always make sure to give that to her too, because she is such a good girl. She deserves that time to just go swimming at the lake and just enjoy life and be wild and crazy zoomies. So she definitely gets that time and takes full advantage. She loves boat rides too. Fantastic. I know. I literally cannot wait to follow Diggity and the little things that she's up to on this Instagram channel. I'm so excited. We'll definitely put that handle in the notes. And then where does somebody like, so where's the first place to go for more information? Is it the Alliance of Therapy Dogs? Yes, you could even, you know, one could Google therapy dog organizations. Um, but you know, I, from my experience, Alliance of Therapy Dogs is just, they're so wonderful, such great communication from them. So I would, um, go to their website and it's great because they have a YouTube um, video where you can watch dogs taking the therapy dog test and um, look at all the different testing items. So when you get a puppy, you can kind of start prepping and working on these things. Some of the items on the test are, 
a recovering from a really loud noise and having the dog, you know, hear that noise, but then just being able to move on right away and not shutting down. So that's something you can practice, um, with your puppy. And then, um, like I mentioned, the crutches and the wheelchair, that is a test item walking, um, with loose leash, walking, healing next to the owner, and then just passing by other dogs and interacting with strangers and being comfortable. So, you know, those are some other items on the test. And it's it's nice to watch the video and watch someone going through that handling portion of the test. So you can really get an idea of what, what work you'll need to do with your training. So yeah, that is a great website. Fail, fail, yeah. fail, <laughs> uh -huh. fail, fail. Yeah. Oh, well, and the other pieces, though, um, that's nice in a way is that they have to be a year old before they take the test. So, you know, you have a lot of time to work through these things. So at one year is when they can take the handling portion of the test and become a certified therapy dog. So um, you have a full year to work on these things or longer. I know some dogs that have certified, you know, halfway through their lives and just, you know, when that owner and the dog find their passion and run with it, whenever in the dog's, you know, lifespan, they can become certified. So. Oh, yay, Frank, it, it doesn't wait. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. I mean, really doesn't need to be a puppy. Is it possible to rescue an adult dog and get them to be a therapy dog? Definitely. If they have okay. that passion for people and kind of more of a calm demeanor. And, you know, I believe there is a misconception that many think that, you know, therapy dogs need to be purebred or from a breeder. Um, but Diggity is just the prime example of just a rescue from North Dakota, just becoming a wonderful therapy dog and having well, a great career with it. Having a wonderful owner that worked with her to get through all of that. So, yeah, well, we, I, she's, she's such a gift to me and we do, we just have fun. And that's, that's all, that's all that it's about having fun and just honoring each other and enjoying it. So. Well, and Lisa and I talk about this a lot too. Like we have so much more fun with work and business because we have each other. Like there is, and so I'll talk to people who like have ideas of things they want to do. And I'm like, look, partnerships are hard because there's obviously, you know, a lot involved with two personalities, but it's just, if you can find that right person, it makes everything so much better. And you've got one that doesn't talk back. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. Best kind of partner. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is true, though. You know, it's nice, you know, you know, at work, sometimes there are days that are more stressful than others. And I'll just kind of during my lunch break, say, hey, I need a few pets from you, Diggity. I need a little support right now. And, you know, I do the same for her. And it's a back and forth, you know, reciprocal relationship. So it is really nice to have a partner to lean on. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And we are oftentimes alone, you know, in our speech yes. room, we are the only speech therapist on a campus. And so literally, you've got a partner. That's so amazing. Exactly. And, you know, people laugh, especially the teachers, because they'll notice when I walk down the hall with Diggity, I'm basically invisible. You know, she's the star <laughs> of the show. I'm just kind of there. And so the teachers laugh because the students say, oh, Diggity, you know, and so they're like, hey, you never get any attention. And I'm like, you know what? I'm fine with that. It's when Diggity is having her Diggity day at school. It's her day and it's her time. So I get the other days of the week. You know how many times I've wanted to say, yo, Diggity? Like <laughs> that's what a lot of people when they meet her they say hot diggity dog <laughs> mm -hmm. 
It's such a great name. Oh my gosh. I know people are going to have questions um, and want to learn more. And so hopefully the resources that we're going to post will help. Um, but also you can reach out to us and, and we can connect with you. Um, I was going to say, I don't feel the need to give out your contact information because then, you know, you might get blown up, but we might have to hit you up again. If there, if anybody wants more information. Huh? Instagram. Yeah, just oh, message yeah. Diggity directly. She'll answer any and all of your questions. <laughs> no, but but truly though, I'm I'm happy to, you know, collaborate with any speech therapist or any other, you know, therapists in general, um, parents who have questions about this, anything, you know, please feel free to reach out to me. So that that sounds great. I would love that. Thank you. I'm curious real quick before, before we jump off though, I was just thinking like, have you seen since, you know, I imagine you did this probably therapy before without Diggity. And now that you've had her, like, do you, are you seeing progress like gains in like on their IEP goals and stuff, obviously besides the rapport you're building and all of the amazing benefits you've said of having the dog, but you know, do you see improved outcomes? I do. I see increased engagement, increased motivation. I would love to analyze my data. And yeah. I would also I would also love to do a student survey and publish some research at some point. That's definitely something that's, you know, in my five-year plan to do moving forward. And so you will see more coming from me in that area because it, with therapy dog work, there is a lot of that anecdotal evidence based off of what we're seeing and what we're feeling, but I would love to build um, some of that empirical research and analysis and um, just to help bolster, you know, and support the idea of animal assisted therapy. So I I've seen it, I've felt it, I've, you know, experienced it. And I would love to, you know, publish some of the data that goes along with this and student feedback, parent feedback. So yes. more, more to come on that. Definitely. Fantastic. It's so cool. Okay. I'm looking up Diggity's Instagram right now. Tell me it was Diggity. You said underscore you. Yep. And Diggity is spelled D I G G I T Y okay. underscore do. D O. I know because I was thinking like, uh, um, we probably should have Diggity in the confessional too. Oh, yes. I, I, I'm thinking, where is Diggity right now? <laughs> you know, she's laying on the carpet. I can see her. She's dozing off. She's making me do all the work this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope she approves. Oh my gosh, I found her. Okay. All right. Oh my gosh. What a gorgeous, gorgeous dog. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I mean, her paws are fun. Her her fun little paws are her signature. Yes. I, oh, I love this one with um it's another dog who's does it not have legs? And so it's got the um, Yes. It's in a wheelchair. The dog is in a wheelchair. That is actually a dog um where we live in our building and Diggity gravitates toward toward Maylee. She loves her and towards Maylee's owner who is also who also utilizes a wheelchair. And so it's it's really fun. That's one of her buddies. Maylee has some paralysis and her owner just thought as long as I'm in a wheelchair, I'm going to adopt a dog in a wheelchair since she had the ramps and everything. So they are amazing those two. Okay, that's the cutest thing ever. She is so sweet. I she think. is so sweet. Okay. All right. Yes. I can see why she would steal the show. <laughs> exactly. Right. She's just a cutie. She's, she's a cutie, gentle giant. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Um, it's, it's so cool. I love it. It's been one of my most fun podcasts we've done in a long time. Well, thank you. And you brought some great questions to the table. So thank you for your wonderful questions.